Welcome. The following is a sermon presented at First Love Church in Ocala, Florida. If you'd like to know more about our church or Pastors Dennis and Heather Drake, you can find us on the web at firstlovechurch.org. Well, good morning, First Love Church. I hope that uh, you're doing well today. We're excited to be uh, pastoring this church in this unique time, and we just uh, want to welcome you to the uh, webinar. <laughs> Well, this morning is, as I'm sure you know, the sixth Sunday of Easter. And I was thinking how important it was during this time of the liturgy to actually have the Sundays be marked for us because it seems like, at least for me, the days are kind of mixing together because our routines have been thrown off and the things that we do typically are out of sync and out of order. So being reminded that we are a resurrection people, that Easter or the practice of resurrection takes way more than just one Sunday to celebrate and to get deep within us. And there's cause for us this morning to pause and to make meaningful connection and to remember that we are beloved. And that's the practice of Sabbath. I love that the revelation of Christ is progressive. Mm. You know, that it's not just we got born again and that was it. But it just seems as I've been walking with him, you know, I get deeper in love with him. I find out more about him. His word is more alive to me than ever. And I really want that for you in this Easter yes. season. That Yeah, we celebrated Easter, which is his resurrection. But, but day two, uh, uh, three, four, five, and here we are on the sixth Sunday of Easter. That, that for you, the revelation of his resurrection and what that means for you in your life, which means darkness is uh, extinguished by his light. Uh, weakness and fear is defeated by his power and glory and strength. And so uh, let's, let us learn, but not just with head knowledge, less experientially, how you say that word? Experiential, yeah. Experiential, I did a, I, I did a 25 cent word. Uh, so uh, in, in that experience of him, let us know that he is alive today, amen? He is alive. I rem- just um, want to piggyback on what you were just uh, saying, this idea of experiencing Christ, that what we are called to is an embodied faith. It's not just a simple head knowledge. And in fact, the text today, Jesus is telling them, listen, it's not just an ascent. It is a following. And so we follow Christ into this embodiment of belovedness. We follow Christ into the service to the world. And we follow Christ into being taught or retaught the way to view the whole world, including God. And in this practice of resurrection, we see things differently than we did before. And so this morning, our hope is that as we make these practices, that your eyes will be opened. We often talk about, will you witness the world through baptized eyes? And this idea of witnessing or observing and then telling about it, that we're a resurrection people. Beloveds, I remind you that death does not have the final word. We are not people that are marked by death, but we are people that have been claimed by resurrection. You know, that's so good. And it makes me think about that expression that uh, when, uh, I think it was Martin Luther said that, that the church should live wet. Yes. Uh, wet from the uh, uh, waters of baptism. Waters of baptism. I, I think that when I go to Animal Kingdom and we ride that uh, log ride and uh, on a hot day, you get doused with that and you walk around and your clothes are uncomfortable. So we're not talking about that. We're not talking about walking around with uncomfortable clothes in the humidity, but living wet in the sense of that I'm so fresh from my baptism, from the 
experience of that, the uh, Spirit's manifestation in my life, the forgiveness, the transformation, all of it being very fresh. And even though for some of you, it might seem like a lifetime ago when you were baptized. I mean, for me, it was in that church at North Avenue in Narragansett in Chicago, Illinois, when I was 23 years old. Uh, that's a little while ago. But uh, I, it can still be as fresh to me as I choose to, to uh, by, by how I live, if I will live fresh and wet from that back to baptism. Amen? Amen. I remind you, beloveds, this morning that the Holy Scripture tells us that where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, there he is in the midst of them. And we are gathering this morning in Jesus' name. Even though we're not physically gathered, we are gathering in the name, in the way of Jesus. And so we invite you this morning to make a worship confession with us. Would you confess? We have gathered in, in the, the name, name of, of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. We, we have, have come, come to, to this house to worship God. God. We, we have, have come, come to confess that Jesus is Lord. We are not here to be entertained. We are here to encounter the sacred. We are not consumers. We are worshipers. We praise and adore the living God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So be it. Amen, amen, amen. May the triune God bless you this morning as we enter into this sacred time of worship. This yes. sacredness, this setting apart, this holiness that we're called to, this morning we make a sacred space by setting this time apart for God and for the communion of saints, for the practice of our faith, and for what it's called us into. And so, I we, just want yeah. to interject that I like that you, you say that we're getting ready to have worship because in a lot of people's minds, you know, we had the two songs before uh, we started speaking, so was that worship? And uh, yes, it's, it's uh, singing praise and worship songs, but, but I believe that this whole time that we set apart for God is worship yes. in very unique and different ways. Just singing, and though I would say that I'm so grateful for the band that they would come over and, and pre-record those worship services so that we could have those during this time of isolation, but um, that's not just worship. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, your giving is worship, your attention to Holy Scripture, your uh, repeating of the prayers and, and uh, connecting. And so I'm excited for uh, uh, what will happen during this worship service that we're holding this morning. Amen. Amen. In fact, just based on what you had just said, Paul the Apostle also reminds us that giving of ourselves, that giving financially, but also giving in service is a way to worship. So it's reasonable, he said. Paul's always all copying of the way. Me. I don't know what that Paul gets doing. This morning we go to the Holy Text and we look at a Psalm of David um, from Psalm 145. If you would, from your homes, um, either yes. read in your scriptures or read with us on the screen behind us. I will exalt you. My God and King, I will praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. 
I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about your majesty and the glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, your rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects those who love him, but he destroys the wicked. I will praise the Lord, and may everyone on the earth bless his holy name forever and ever. Oh, what a beautiful psalm written thousands of years ago, but we join with the communion of saints declaring that truth. I loved that one particular verse, and we could go and and teach this entire thing, but it says, one generation will proclaim his mighty acts to another. And this is for us the hope that we would all bear witness to the fact that we have seen God, we have heard God, we have followed God, we have experienced him, and he is Good. You know, I want to challenge you as your pastor to, to really think about that scripture today because uh, each generation carries the message of the gospel to the next generation, which means you're really in your moment where you have the baton in your hand, as, as it were a great uh, race where mm. the baton is being passed, but, but not just from runner to runner, but from generation to generation. And at some point, the elders of the church, they shared the gospel with you and you were converted and that baton was put in your hand. And so I want to challenge you, what are you doing with that? Are you running the race well? Are you sharing the gospel with others? Are you standing up for righteousness? Are you uh, taking your church commitment seriously? the responsibility to share the gospel to all of the world. I really want to challenge you that, that the scripture is there in just such a simple way, but reminding of us of a tremendous responsibility and a profound truth that uh, we are, we just have been given this moment in time. And, uh, and so it's not a shame condemnation thing. What are you doing? But wake up and realize the potential of this run, what it could mean, 
and uh, and I want to see you have the gold medal on your chest that uh, that you ran the race well and you kept the faith and you shared that with this next generation. What is their hope if it if it isn't for the gospel that we can hand to them when we're done running this race? And so let's share that. Amen. Amen. Uh, we also want to encourage you to read Psalm 145 that we just read through the whole week. Read it every morning to yourself. Pray it with the world, with the global church, and, and allow it to bring uh, confidence to your hope. We want to offer a prayer this morning before we, um, again, approach the sacred text. But if you would pray with us, as we move through this sorrow and trial of this life, uphold us with knowledge of the final morning, when in the glorious presence of your risen Son, we will share in his resurrection, redeemed and restored to the fullness of life, and forever free to be your people. Amen. Amen. This is a prayer during Eastertide that we would remember and that we would um, set our hopes on the fact that this pursuit that we have of freedom or of knowing Jesus is so that we can be free to live in love the way that God has called us to. I like that how it reminds us too of, uh, you know, that we are in this life but for a vapor in a moment and there is the eternal life that's promised to us. And, uh, and so I, I think that you uh, need to be aware of, uh, of what's going on, and I think uh, plan a little better. I would, uh, I would think that there's not an older person that says, oh, I should have planned for retirement a little bit better. You know, should have stuck a little more money away. And, uh, and I think for us, uh, uh, if we even give such an effort towards retirement, how much thought <laughs> Should we give to eternity? To brothers and sisters. Something away. Jesus talks about that. There is treasure. That's an excellent segue into 1 Timothy chapter 6. These are Paul's writings to the church and to specifically to Timothy. But he says, teach those that are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money which is so unreliable. Mm. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. The other verses go on further to talk about this is what it looks like to have an eternal inheritance and a reward that is not going to be taken from you. But this is a charge from Paul to a disciple, to someone who is following him, and he's saying, listen, I want you to teach people. In fact, we read this even in the Psalms this morning, and we will again hear it in the words of Jesus to us in John. But this idea that we are being trained, that we are being taught in righteousness, that it's important for us to hear maybe even um, words that would challenge us or confront the way that we believe about something. But this verse is a reminder that we follow a Jesus who is generous. He is generous to the point of giving up his own life. And he's called his followers to practice in this radical generosity and say, this is what you should do. Use your money to do good, but be willing to share with those in need this practice that we ask you to engage in is not just so the church can have the resources it needs to feed the poor, to help our neighbors, to instruct other people in righteousness, but it is for you in this practice 
of releasing ourselves from other things that we would trust in to trust Ooh, yeah. a God who is incredibly merciful. It says he opens his hand and he provides food for every living thing. Every good gift is from the Father above. And so we offer this as a practice, as a, um, as a training. In fact, in Deuteronomy, that's what it says. You're training yourself to trust God when you give the tithe or when you worship. And so there's much to be discussed in there, but we trust that the Holy Spirit will um, inspire you. And, and in this idea, I love that you brought that to our attention. If we're, train, if, if we're storing up for retirement, we should really, really be storing up for our eternity because that, brothers and sisters, is forever. You know, I look at this verse too, and it reminds me of uh, just the reality that um, in some areas, if I'm not generous, it's proof that I don't trust the Lord. Ouch. And uh, that might hurt, <laughs> but I'd rather uh, let the pain of that reality transform yes, me than bury be. my head in the sand. Yeah. And, and it's not a, a shame for you, and now I'm not saying just risk everything and say you're trusting in the Lord, but, but just realize that you know, I, oh, you start a new job and you're all nervous. Am I going to make it? So you pinch every penny and you never go out to eat or whatever. But there comes a time in your life where you're like, you know, I've been doing this job for a while. I really trust that things are going to happen so I can be generous to, to my family and to my friends. And there's just something that shifts in us. And, and I'm telling you, you can live in a place where God will take care of you and you can be generous. Now, I'm not saying being a fool with your money and just blowing it uh, uh, all, all foolishly, but, but really there is a place where God even will, um, will make sure that there's more than enough for us to take to care of every good work, yeah. Take care of the needs of others, yeah. yes. Yeah. And so let this uh, be uh, uh, not any kind of condemnation to you, but just look at this and be the reality check that it is that you know what there's certain areas where i clearly don't trust the lord because i'm not generous lord help me be generous because to me yeah. th there's a beauty that you're there's a there's a joy that you're there's a life that you're missing because when you're generous and you see god use you to meet the needs of others there is not a high that you can experience in this world like that, a feeling of knowing that you participated in God's kingdom and it made an impact in people and he's bringing abundance to you. There is a great joy in that yeah. and you're missing it when you live tight-fisted. And so fact, I, tell you, yeah. I tell you, there's a life greater than what you're living now, but it's a life of generosity and it's a life that needs to be learned. I don't think day no, one, no. you could and it's do a, it. It's, we follow the example of other witnesses, of mm -hmm. other brothers and sisters. And that's why your witness and your following and your faithful following is so essential. But even in Acts chapter 20, it says, we remember the words of Jesus who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This verse here, they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. I remind you that giving financially is essential, but it also really specifically says there should be other good works, that we are actually called to good works. In fact, there's other uh, verses that talk about before the world was even formed, God had established these good works and invited you to participate in them. But you and I had a situation um, this past week because, and it really more involved you, I mean, we, we both became aware of it, but we've been renovating the church and that has consumed a lot of our time and that's good and it's a part of the way our family serves our community and it's what we can do, it's it's the, uh, the gifts that are in our particular hand, but a, a need came up of somebody who wasn't in our church community 
and they needed a renovation. And the renovation wasn't just aesthetics because they didn't like this color. The renovation was they had an unusable toilet and they needed somebody who could think outside of the box and find a way to make this work. And when we heard the need, we looked at our schedules and said, we can't help. There's just no way we can afford to give up this time because there's so much we had to do. And then once we said that or became aware of that, we knew, no, the call is to move things aside, to give to those who cannot give back to us, to make room. And we see that the, the, the purpose of the church and of God and even in our own following for us to give up that time and say, no, we'll come and we'll renovate. And, and again, I say we, I didn't go, you went with, with Thomas, but this idea of this is what this verse is calling us to do and we're living it out and it costs us. Well, let's give credit where credit is due. My son Thomas said they're pulling wires and, and it's a makeshift thing to even get the toilet to work. And so when you look at that and go, yeah, there's things that we need to do, but I, you know, there, there's three or four light fixtures that, that don't work in their house. And so it's a dark house, you know, they're living in darkness and with a, an and almost an unfunctioning toilet. toilet. And so we went over there and, uh, and we fixed the toilet. And then as I was fixing the light fixtures, it was cute to watch that couple. They didn't even wait till we left. They went in the bathroom and used their functioning toilet and were just coming out giggling and just laughing and sh just shouting, we have a toilet that works. And I mean, it was almost to bring tears to your eyes, you know? And, and it's true that we talk a lot of times about give to the church and we're gonna help people. But you know what? I want, uh, uh, to, at the risk of, of, uh, of, of us not getting our share, we really want you to look around. There are other people outside of the church in your neighborhood that need your ministry, need your generosity. And not, and I, I, the reason that I brought it up, you know, not to steal your reward, because the scripture does say, do what you do privately. That is not it. But if that was a perfect training or teaching moment to talk about what this scripture, rich in good works, means there's actually going to be work for you to do. Yeah. You don't just get to send your money in. There's this idea Ooh. of, and it's never going to come at a time where we have all the time off, we feel physically strong, we have the resources, now we'll go with an entire team. It seems to always come at a time where you yeah. have to sacrifice. Oh, yeah. And so this idea of looking for interruptions, looking for the good deeds, particularly now during this time of pandemic, when the world needs good news, brothers and sisters, beloved, we have the good news. Yes, it is do. Jesus and his way of living and his way of living is meeting the needs of people and so as the church of Jesus Christ we want to be aware of that we want to look toward that now not everybody can renovate and not everybody has the skill that you have to look at a, a building situation and be able to come up with another idea but everyone can do something right and we can all be attuned and listen to Holy Spirit I think God will put people in your path that need the thing that you actually you know have a skill to to do and so we can trust a sovereign god that he's not going to take somebody that has no construction skills and put that need right. in front of him but you know what the the go help the guy pick up some garbage on their yard or help them uh make a payment when they can or get or some sit food. with someone oh. who is in grief oh yeah or, we can all do that but yeah. it costs you something yes or listen to someone yeah. share pain these are very essential things and beloved we have the good news and we have the holy spirit with us and so there is for us an empowerment but we have to be aware of it there's a training that comes 
comes for us, even in these kind of practices, the practice of awareness of someone else's need. If not, we'll plow through this life looking yeah. only at oh. ourselves, only at our needs. Yeah, and this is, this is what community does for us. We didn't, we'd never been to that person's house, didn't actually, um, had never experienced their pain, but our son went and he experienced that, their pain and he was like, we're going to need to do something about this. Yeah. And so I love that about community as well. If you can't meet the need, <laughs> sometimes know, you... Yeah, my son we, was quick to say, my dad and I are coming over. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I just, I just want you to know that, that Heather and I know this congregation. We know you to be generous people. Yes. And we're very proud of you. And so I know you're well able and, and you've been doing things like this. I could name so many yes. of you that are just always available to help. So you know what? Kudos to you. Congratulations. Continue. You're doing Be faithful. the right thing. And keep doing that because that honors the Lord. People find the Lord in your efforts like that. Yes. And you're doing a good thing. And for those of you that the Lord's challenging you to step it up, well then step it up because inside that stepping up, you'll find his pleasure, his grace, uh, his reward. And, and, and he'll honor provision. you. Oh, he, God say he, he gives seed to the he sower. Does, he provides, and he honors you. And, and it's nothing like being honored anywhere else than being honored by the mm. Lord. What a blessing it if is. If we were physically meeting at the building, we would tell you to take your offering and put them in a box between you and the Lord. There's many scriptures that talk to us about how Jesus watched and observed and met yeah. them in that place of giving. But in this time of pandemic, in this practice of paying attention to the least of these, we're not gathering because... Not because we don't have a message or not because um, we don't love you and don't really desire to be with you. The, in fact, the opposite is true. There's such longing to be gathered with yeah. you, to take holy communion with you, to, oh, to yes. witness uh, your testimony and to hear your affirmation as well. But during this time, we're asking and, and we're following that you would use um, the online firstlovechurch.org to send your uh your generous gift, or for you to put it in the mail, 2529 North Magnolia Ave, Ocala 34475. If you've forgotten that, still look it up on the website. The, um, the address is there. But yeah. there's ways to give. Go to firstlovechurch.org, our, our website there, and you can find the giving section and, uh, and stay connected with us that way. And, of course, stay connected with us on Facebook or if you're watching it on YouTube. And remember to go to YouTube and uh, subscribe, subscribe if you haven't already. Yeah. And, and Wednesday nights, we've been doing a takeout church, and so we want to remind you to join us on Wednesday nights for that. We've got some new things coming up, and we're very yeah, excited I wanted, about I wanted to take a yeah. moment and share about that, that uh, we're going to start a series uh, this Wednesday night coming up. And uh, we're going to do uh, uh, prayer. We're going to do uh, cyber prayer. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to uh, start uh, just a, a, a series on prayer and praying together uh, and take that Wednesday night service. Because, you know, a lot of people have said for over years for us, that, man, they'd love to come to prayer, but it's hard to drive at night or, or difficult to carve out the time or whatever. So I think this will be a perfect time for us during this pandemic. Let's really get on our, our knees and on our faces and really uh, pray. So we're going to do that starting uh, Wednesday night. And we're excited to have you be a part of that. And it's virtual, so you can do it from, and that'll continue on past the pandemic that we're going to be able to meet in corporate prayer just through this new medium that God's given us of uh, being able to do it through the internet like this. So we're excited to, to share that new vision with you. Prayer on Wednesday nights. Uh, all over the world, we're going to get together and pray. Oh, beautiful. Isn't beautiful, it? Beautiful, beautiful. Such good news. Um, the, the last part of that verse uh, I wanted to read from us in Timothy. By doing this, 
they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. Mm. By doing this, you're going to hear these words again in the words of Jesus as we go there, but there is an actual doing that we mm -hmm. are called to. Yeah. This Christian following, this Christian faith is not just a yeah, I agree. I believe that too. But there is a doing. It, yeah, that we've made it cerebral. Right. You know, just believe, you know, um, a mentally assent or agree with scriptures. And so we sit in church a lot of times and we say, amen, yes, so be it. I agree, I agree, I agree. But uh, you, you find uh, that in the Bible so much of the time that they're saying that, that basically if you agree, then you'll respond. That there's a doing faith without works. And so uh, do not miss the fact that you're hearing these scriptures and you agree with them, but if they're not changing you, oh, son and daughter of God, something is desperately wrong. We need to allow that to bring transformation to us and that there is a response, there's a doing, amen? I hear your call to repentance, just like Jesus' call. The repentance is change the way that you're thinking. Mm. And the way that you change the way that you're thinking is allowing the word of God to come, and the scripture says our faith is increased by hearing the word of God, but our ability to think differently, this call to think higher than the way that we're currently thinking, this is the message of Jesus. And so we go to the scriptures this morning before we do, though, um, we recognize that this particular time is um, uncomfortable, maybe sometimes even cumbersome or clunky, because we're not together. We don't have that liturgy, that practice that um, kind of gives us sure guidelines. But one of the things that we hold on to are the creeds, are the things that the Christian church has been through. I was reminded today we were making some plans, and... Um, we were looking to the ancient church for some wisdom because she's been through pandemic before. It is, yeah. This is not the first time the church has been through plague. This is not the first time the church has been through these things. And just looking to the ancients for some wisdom, going, how do we navigate this? And one of the things we came back to is the creeds remind us who we are and to whom we belong and where we can place our hope. And so this morning, we want to join with the church globally in declaring the Apostles' Creed, and we want to invite you to make this declaration with us. Oh, this is powerful. I, I believe, believe in God, God the Father, Father Almighty, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, Christ his, his only Son, Son our Lord. He was conceived by the, holies, by the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary. Mary. He, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I love that. That is just such a reminder to us. This is what I believe, so then how will I live? That's the difference. Not I will continue in my own way of living, but because I believe that, how then shall we live? How should we follow? What should our life look like? Because we declare and confess we are followers of Jesus who showed us the way of love. You know, that, uh, that prayer is like a great inhale for lungs that are empty. Yes. It's like a great worship <laughs> song for someone who's sad. It's, uh, you can't help but declare that doctrine 
and the power that is behind it be not manifest. There's just no way. And so as you pray that, now I learned that as a Catholic boy, a couple words different, but by and large, I, I know that. I've, I've always known that prayer. And so it's fun to, sometimes as Catholics, I must admit that some of us quoted prayers without really engaging our minds or our hearts. I, I must tell you that it's more than just people of the Catholic tradition. I'm sure all of us did, and yeah. that's why Jesus offered us something different. But I love here today being able to read that prayer and feel my heart engaging because a lot of times do people think like, oh, you're reading them old, dead, tired prayers. Man, those prayers are filled with doctrine, so there's no way they're dead. Uh, the only thing that could be dead would be my spirit uh, with, and would not coming in line to it. And so I feel such life by that. And I hope that you did even sense God's presence as we read that. And to know that that offer is to you, get up in the morning and declare that. You know, uh, I like what Jonathan Martin was telling us one time, or maybe it wasn't Jonathan Martin. I think it might've been uh, uh, the other fellow, what's his name? But nevertheless, the guy was talking about how, you know, if he ever got in a situation where he felt like doctrinally he was arguing oh, yeah. with someone of another um, denomination. Faith tradition, yeah. Yeah, another faith tradition. He said, I can always read that prayer and we can find something to agree on. Because as Christians, we all agree. You know, Catholics, Protestants alike, we all believe that prayer. And so it has power to unite. Yeah. And that's originally the intention. The apostles were talking about the fact that, and, and, and much of this is re recorded in um, some of the history books and, and some of the other books of, uh, you know, uh, of the fathers and the mothers of the faith, but there were people that were included because of the message of Jesus. And th this wasn't just a Jewish belief anymore. It included the barbarians. It included the Greeks. It included slave. It included free. It Women. included, <laughs> it, yeah, witnessing the resurrection. During this Easter time particularly, we remember the witness of the women who said, he is risen. Don't look for him among the dead. He is not here, but he is risen. But this idea of we've come and we've been invited and we know we're welcomed, but who are we? What is going to be our, our identifier, our unifier? We're no longer a, a faith tradition exclusively in Jewish tradition. We don't have a circumcision that necessarily marks us, but we have a faith that marks us. And that is for us these creeds that remember, okay, this is what we're called to. We're called to yeah. a life of love. We believe in God. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Serving. We believe in Jesus. And, and these traditions, again, I love that, that imagery that you presented us where it's like a big inhale. We've got work to do. Take a breath and let's go follow the Father. And there's such strength in taking that breath. Because now our body can function the way it's designed to because we have the, the, the energy that, you know, the, the power that you need to sustain you. So, so During our time of study this week, um, par part of the, uh, we're going to the Gospel of John, and we've been there the past couple of weeks, um, John's discourse and telling us what Jesus was saying to his disciples um, as he's getting ready to leave the earth, leave a form that they knew, leave a way of living the way, I mean, they were following God, and it was following the actual person of Jesus yeah. around. And Jesus is saying, we're going to change the way that this is being done, but you're still going to be following and they are confused and they don't know what's happening and how this is going to work out and Jesus is talking to them but in this um, in this particular text the the translators and the people that are giving commentary said something and I just absolutely felt like it was um, a, like a spark for inspiration in me but they declare this part is chosen family 
This is not family by blood. This is not family by ethnicity. This is not family because you're same geography. This is chosen family. Beloveds, you are chosen family. Mm. You are chosen family, chosen by God, chosen by us. <laughs> yeah. and, and this idea of we're family, but we're chosen family. So there's a way that we behave because of the family we belong to. And this is for us a hope. May you know that you are part of chosen family. Yes. We are an Easter people, people of the resurrection. We remember this. John chapter 15 Verse, chapter 14, verse 15 through 21, Jesus is talking to his disciples. If you love me, I think that probably would have gotten their attention because they all would have wanted to say yes. Yes, I love you. That's why we're here. If you love me, obey my commandments. <laughs> this sounds just like the, uh, the discourse when Jesus is having this conversation with the disciples at foot washing. When he said, I'm giving you this new commandment, love each other the way that I have loved you. What an incredible bar Jesus is setting. He's saying, I don't want you just to love each other the way your family loved each other. I want you to love each other the, the way, way that I... I have loved you. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Hmm. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me since I live you also will live. Mm. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. What incredible promises. And we, this, the Easter, the resurrection, is this promise that we're included in this chosen family, that we're included in God, that we have give, been given life in Jesus Christ since he lives we lives. Brothers and sisters, this is hope to us. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Jesus begins by putting this framework going, listen, it's the ones who are doing it that actually are loving me. There's more to love than just the saying. There is the doing that comes from love. Not to be included, you're already chosen family, but this is what God's family does. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. What an incredible verse of scripture for us to be looking at this morning, for us to be um, engaging in. There's so many places that we can go to in those scriptures. And one of the things that I want to remind us of is the invitation to relationship. Jesus is the way to the Father. This again, this it's not, uh, when we look at scripture, there was no chapter and verse the way it was set up. Jesus is having a conversation with his friends, with his followers. He's preparing them that he is going to leave. And he's saying, listen, I want to remind you of something. The resurrection, when you see me again, when I have been raised, this is your confidence that you also will be raised. That there is eternal life promised to us. There is hope for us in this good news. Mm, that's so good. And I just, you know, you kind of hit upon it a little bit. And I just can't help but wanting to take a moment and really 
think about the, the reality of him saying to you, love the way I love, you know, and, and, and that's the bar. Mm. And how do we do that unless he fills us? And he says that, you know, that he'll fill us with the love of God. And, and, uh, and uh, I think that, you know, for many people, our standard could be skewed because maybe we don't even realize sometimes how our family has influenced us. Uh, some people, uh, sadly, love is based on performance. Uh, some people are manipulated. Some people aren't really even loved the way that they deserve to be loved. And so we come from all these backgrounds and abuses and issues. And so what he's wanting to do is set things, set a new standard, a new bar. And of course, it's a bar that you and I could never reach unless he lived on the inside of yes. us, unless he were doing it through us, yep. you know? And that's what really, I think more than anything has marked me as a Christian is that the people that have known me before my conversion uh, recognize there's no way that could be you doing that. That God has clearly come in and changed you because I knew who you were before. And when somebody has known who you are before, they know the, the real you, the, the, the lost, the backslidden or whatever you, uh, then uh, selfishness is what rules and, and, uh, and our own issues are, are, are so overwhelming that we can't seem to climb out from under them. But boy, when you give your life to Christ and he begins to transform you, others will have to testify that, that you're living different. And you're living different to me isn't just like, now nah, I've got to go drum up kindness. But if, I, if I'm willing to let my hands off of the restraint, I let God actually do something in me that I could have never done, and, and, that, and that's what people begin to recognize. Wow, there's something different. And you all know people in your life, other believers, and you look at them and you go, man, there's just something about them. And I believe what it is, not their greatness, but it's the greatness of God that's in them that they've just been willing to allow to be made manifest. Yeah. And so allow this kind of transformation that, that we would trust that the Holy Spirit has come, that advocate, and he's, he, that's what comes from Easter, is the resurrection and the power. God leaves us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the strength for me to do what I can't do in my own power. The word uh, in a moment to bring comfort. The, the, the wisdom to take care of a situation at that minute. God is providing us the Holy Spirit himself, uh, making available and I want to live that life. And I'm excited to see where that'll take us. Amen. Amen. I appreciate the uh, clarity that you brought to the conversation that we're having in, in regards to listening to what Jesus is having this conversation. But the idea is you cannot love like Jesus loves without the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You cannot follow and do the same things that Jesus did without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is saying, I'm not asking you to do this by yourself. I'm going to send you, and he uses this word that's significant, another advocate. 
This means that Jesus, in this text and in this writing, clearly is declaring himself to be the advocate. He is the mediator between God and man. He is the advocate. And he's saying, but I'm not going to leave you without an advocate. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God is going to live in you and dwell in you, and you will have everything that you have with me. We see with Jesus, they had an advocate before the Father. They had a teacher, a helper, a guide, a companion. And Jesus is saying, now I'm going to give you my Spirit. And I think this is the great demystifier because many people have said they've chalked a lot of things up to they were led by spirit but it doesn't look like Jesus if it doesn't look like Jesus we know that's not how it goes I mean Jesus has already clearly shown us what love does how love behaves in the face of humanity how love behaves in situations that require radical hospitality radical generosity but this idea that Jesus is presenting is you don't have to do it alone you will allow the spirit of God which will be given to you and then he begins to use the same language in fact Jesus actually prays this father make them understand that you and I are one and that they're in with us and this idea of unity of living in relationship with God in living in relationship with the Holy Spirit and that's not so that we can be woo-woo but that so that we can yeah. say I now have the capacity because the Spirit of God lives in me to live differently to live generously to meet the needs of others and there's hope for us in this practice awareness of the Holy Spirit who is given to us by God as an empowerment mm. to love. You know, f- for me, I think about the Holy Spirit and, uh, and, and I think about, uh, or I, I think oftentimes we forget that God has given us the Holy Spirit uh, so that we would lack nothing. Because I can't tell you how many times I thought as a Christian and heard other Christians say, imagine what it would have been like to walk with Jesus. That would have been, and, and what a wonderful thought that is to have been one of his disciples. And, and somehow that that, you know, is because he's not walking on the earth with us today, that somehow uh, we're less than, we have less than uh, everyone else did. Uh, I think that if you believe that, you really have a misunderstanding of who the Holy Spirit is. You have everything that they had and more. Yes. Because we have the Holy Spirit. So actually, it's, it's very likely that when your day comes and you get up to heaven, instead of you running up to the disciples and saying, John, what was it like to walk with Jesus? John's going to run up to you and say, what was it like to walk around with the Holy Spirit? And so I, I want to challenge you that, that God said he's left you with everything that you need. He's not abandoned you and you're not an orphan. And we have this comforter. So, so the way that those 12 made such an impact on the world, you have the power to make that impact in your home and at work and at your church and in, in Ocala and in the world. And so let's let the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, out of the bag, quit, quit putting limits on him, and uh, and I, I think that you hit the nail on the head. But that doesn't mean now we become ooh, what'd you call it? Woo woo woos, <laughs> just a bunch of weirdos. But I, I think to me, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit is that I can communicate clearly with intellectuals. 
uh, that I'm not lacking anything. And, and, uh, and when it comes to uh, strength, I have an abundance when it comes to power and authority but, because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside we, of me. But we are actually people filled with spirit. And so we should expect the miraculous. Yes. We should expect yes. the mysterious. Today. We should declare, you know, we can go into situations and trained by the Holy Spirit. And I think that's what's essential in community is being trained. He says right here, the world can't receive him because he isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. One of the things, the gifts that the Christian church community gives us is we are taught to recognize yes. Holy Spirit. We're taught to recognize Ooh, the works good. of God. We can live our lives, but who is teaching us how to recognize the good things, the things that are eternal, the things that we're actually called to and and the world offers us invitations but the church trains us this is good this is holy this is eternal this is what love looks like well you know who's going to train us in that people like you on wednesday night when we have prayer class and the, uh, thank you Amen. for that <laughs> and, and where are you going to learn but that we're going to learn prayer from the ancients as well from yeah. older brothers and sisters right. Right. who have walked through so it we're knelt all through it. Learn. but you know i think about the 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 wonderful parts of your personality that you've picked up by watching your grandmother. And other saints. Yes, and thank saints, you. Yes, sure. but absolutely and, my uh, grandmother. And uh, uh, so there's things that, that you, saint of God, need to pick up that happen yes. at, at community. And so, yes, as soon as, as possible, we're going to get back together and fellowship as a church. But even on these online services, God's going to say something through your pastors, and it's going to be able to impact you Amen. and transform you and change you. And, and so when, when this kind of transformation ha comes, it comes through prayer. And so we need to be taught that. We need to be taught what the Holy Spirit says and how to be sensitive to Him and learn. And those things are not super mystical and it's not a book that you buy, but it's just by being in community. It's in the community of saints, the yeah. communion of saints. It is in the fellowship. Yeah. It is in as we gather in Jesus' name, we look yes. to this faith that we are handed and we hear the words of Jesus, we look for the work of spirit, and then we are fully aware that spirit is with us and we begin to recognize promptings. We begin yes. to recognize the yes. testimony of the Holy Spirit to us. We begin to live as if we were living the way that Jesus lived. Our families will be transformed if Jesus came and was the mother in this family, if Jesus came yeah. and was the brother, the sister in this family, and that's what he intends to do. We pray a prayer with the church and we say, your kingdom come, your it will be done. done. And essentially what that means is I'm giving up my kingdom. I'm giving up my way of living. I'm choosing Jesus and his way of living. You brought up this one point of scripture, and clearly this has so much meat in this oh, yes, discord or in this thing. But Jesus is saying, I'm going away. I'm going to send you a Holy Spirit. And then it doesn't tell us that the disciples said anything back, but Jesus specifically confronts a lie they will feel. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to be here, we will be alone. If you are not here, then we will be orphaned. And, and, Jesus we, and we have to confront that feeling right belong. now yes. that, that Satan speaks to you in isolation, that you're alone. God has not forsaken you. He's not forgotten you. Uh, yes. And he sent you the comforter. And so learn. Be a part of a community. 
be a part of First Love Church and learn how to function with the Holy Spirit, learn how to lean into the Holy Spirit and live a Spirit-filled life. And that doesn't mean that you're some kind of weirdo outside building a cabin up in the mountains and you're a doomsday prepper. It's actually a very, very practical life and a very useful, wonderful gift. The people that we have experienced in our life, and we can only speak for our experience, but the people that are filled with God are full of love. Yes. They are full and of mercy. And they're people mercy. you want to be around. They're you not weird. You do. You want to be with them. Yeah. They're out there because, I mean, love is out there. Love stands outside the margins yeah. and says, everybody's welcome. So let's but clarify what that... But it's something that, that uh, awe inspires you to be like yes. and not like making no, go, it, oh, I can't uh, believe they just said that. It's, it's intoxicating. It, it you want oh, more yeah. of it. And that's the promise of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God would be with us, that we would have the advocate, that we would have this helper, that we would know, because everything Jesus did pointed the world to the Father, because God is good, and Jesus' plan was that everyone would be restored to him. And that's our hope. And that's the, the purpose of us meeting together on Sunday mornings and us having the midweek prayer that we're talking about starting this week, is all of these ways for you and I to learn community, learn to be closer to him, learn to be, uh, learn fellowship, learn the word of God, learn his promises, uh, understand who the Holy Spirit is and, and what he's doing in the midst of us, you know, uh, that's, uh, it draws you closer to him. Mm. So, so it's, it's up to you, but the invitation is there. Come grow with us and, and be a part of the family. Amen. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Mm. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each, each of them. them. That's a beautiful promise, beloved. Oh, One of the good. ways that Jesus is revealed to us is in the practice of communion. And we're gonna offer a prayer together. We're gonna to ask that you would pray it with us, a prayer of repentance. The scripture tells us that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I remind you, we do not only confess and pray for our own needs, but we pray for the needs of the world. You're confessing a sin not to be included. You are already included in this chosen family. But we are saying we want nothing to separate us from the love of God. Mm. And so this morning we offer and we ask this with us, will you pray? Loving God, we confess that at times we do not share in the joy of the resurrection, but we are caught in the worries of the world. We confess that we do not always live in the spirit of new life, but remain discontent, grumbling, and anxious. Forgive us for not sharing the good news. Forgive us when we find it more comfortable to worry and complain than to risk the joy and encouragement of new life in Christ. Call us back to your ways, O oh God, to seek hope and reconciliation, restoration and peace for the whole world. In the name of Jesus, the risen Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, you know, uh, I, I want to encourage you as you grab your communion elements that the only thing that would hold you back this morning from partaking in this communion would be some kind of a belief in your head that you can't, that you're not worthy. Maybe a lie from the hell is that, uh, that um, you've not done enough. 
And I want to tell you the reason why that's a lie is because you could never do enough. This was his invitation. He, he did the completed work on the cross because you and I could never do enough. And so that's what this table represents. And so you might have been taught doctrine or something that, that, you know, you have to do certain things in order to receive communion. But you know what? I just don't see Christ saying that in, in his word. I, I believe that he's saying to us that this table is offered to anyone who would respond to it. And I got to tell you, for me, I recognize that I am a sinner, that I've fallen short of the glory of God. And so I come to this table not... Uh, perfect, but I come to this table broken, knowing that this table is where I get fixed. It's where I get healed. It's where I get forgiven. And so I would encourage you to come to this table, the table not of uh, First Love Church, but of Jesus Christ. Come to this table and uh, take the bread that was uh, that represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. And as that bread was lifted up, his body was lifted up. And his body, as it was lifted up, uh, forgave us of our sins. And that body was broken. And as this bread is broken, uh, his body feeds all that need nourishment. And so as this bread is broken, take and eat and receive his broken body and all that it, it uh, provides for you. Amen. Take and eat. And the scripture tells us, and then Jesus took the cup on the night that he was betrayed. And he blessed it. And he gave thanks. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is the new way of living. People who are loved by God. People who are invited to the table. People who know that they're in relationship with God. Who is able and has forgiven their sins. Brothers and sisters, this morning we drink the cup that forgives us and seals us in the promise of sins forgiven. Oh, thank you. Take and drink. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We are grateful for the new and the better covenant. Mm. We are grateful this morning for this work. We are grateful that this is just a foretaste of the heavenly banquet that we are going to be partakers of. And we join this morning with the communion of saints. We join this morning with the church globally and recognizing this is not just um, something that we do, but it's an invitation into the holy. It's an invitation yes. into this sacred practice. It's an invitation into allowing the Lord to specifically enlarge our hearts so that we can love the world the way that he does. Amen. You know, we, we partake in communion in the same way you would partake in a meal to give you strength to, to go out in your work day. We partake of, of the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that we can spiritually go out and live this life uh, in a way that impacts the world in his name. And so uh, I encourage you this week, partake in communion, not just when we gather together uh, for our midweek service, uh, but you partake in communion. And as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of him, all that he has won for you. Amen. Amen. Do you have a benediction? Yes, I do. And we'll use an ancient benediction, but I remind you, brothers and sisters, your vocation is to be a benediction. Ooh, your vacation good. is to go out into the world when you're at Publix at the grocery store, when you're wherever it is that you're encountering people, that you are a blessing, that you mm. are a benediction because you have received 
the greatest benediction. You are a chosen family. You are loved by God. Beloveds, you are in the world because you are the presence of God in the world. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we put the name of God upon you. And may you go from wherever it is that you have gathered. May you go in the peace of knowing that you are chosen family, that you are beloved, and that your God is with you. Amen. And I just remind you that we can't do the ministry that we're called to do without your faithful giving. So I thank you for your tithes and your offerings above those tithes. I thank you for continuing to give uh, by going to our website at firstlovechurch.org and going to the giving section and give there. I thank you for that. I thank you for uh, dropping off checks at the church and, 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 and the mailbox and mailing them to 2529 North Magnolia in Ocala, Florida, 34475. I thank you for all the ways that you've chose to serve the body of Christ love and to give. I thank you. We bless you. We love you. And so uh, from uh, Pastor Heather and uh, myself, Pastor Dennis, we say we love you and you are dismissed. You're beloved. The following was a sermon presented at First Love Church in Ocala, Florida. If you'd like to know more about our church or Pastors Dennis and Heather Drake, you can find out on the web at firstlovechurch.org. If you'd like to help us continue the work that we're doing, you can donate at firstlovechurch.org.